What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolton. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Well, by the time everyone listens to this, we're probably in 2020 already, even though I'm recording it um, on, on the 29th of December. I was driving along tonight, running a couple of last minute errands before going on a little trip. And I was thinking to myself, we've got to publish a podcast that really talks about kind of the past decade or, and, and maybe how to make 2020 the best decade yet. Um, I know a lot of people have said, and I've heard this kind of on the news that they're kind of ready for 2019 to be gone. And maybe 2019 was a great year for you. Maybe it was a crappy year, but I think it's important as we start to look forward that you really just pause for a second, audit, audit the years and the, and the accumulation of data that, that accounted for that year. If that makes sense, like celebrate your wins. Like today, I literally looked at my goal sheet again for the last time for 2019 and, you know, not all of them were done. Not all of them were accomplished, um, but it's okay. But I literally wrote down, like, here's the things that happened. Like, here's here's the things that I can be proud of. So when I'm 75 years old, I can look back at 2019 and say, wow, you did a lot of stuff that year. Didn't win everything, but you did a lot of things. And so I spent some time doing that. And the point of me doing that is that I, I think it's important to celebrate your wins because I have a hard time doing that. I think a lot of overachievers do, and a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time we're always looking for the next, 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 you know, and Craig and I talk about that a lot. But I think it's important to celebrate your wins because success leaves clues. And and what you find that you did right, you may want to double down on that and, 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 and reopen that in 2020 or next year, but also to analyze your losses, like be honest with yourself and audit, audit the fact that like, Hey, you, you may have, you may have taken some L's this year, but what did you learn from that? And really, I think that, that losses and mistakes and all that, is just accelerated learning. And I, and I say that over and over again, because I think it's true. It's just a fast way to learn. You say, Hmm, I'm going to course correct this and get out of this. Um, that being said, like it's an exciting time we're in. I mean, for those of you who know or followed me a long time, I'm a big fan of Peter Diamandis and, you know, in, in a book called abundance. And I think it's just a hopeful time we're living in. I think the world is moving exceedingly fast and it's an exciting time. I think it's the most exciting time. I study history a lot. I think it's literally the most exciting time to be alive because the world is moving so fast. Craig and I recently spoke at, um, the Orem summit in Canada, and it was about the three dimensions of dental disruption. I think we may have reposted that podcast, but it kind of talked about a lot of things that are happening in dentistry. And, and really that's kind of the micro view. If, um, if you break down into dentistry, but you know, the macro view is, is it's a, it's a manifestation of the macro world that it's going on around us. Meaning that like in general, you know, we have big computing and big data and robotics and AI and blockchain and cloud computing, all these things are kind of contributing to it. So something that's interesting that I, if you guys have ever, um, I study this stuff a lot and, um, it's kind of the rabbit hole that I go down in terms of my, my extracurricular learning is there's something called Moore's law. And, and if you're into science at all, you may have heard about this and Gordon Moore worked for a, he worked for Intel actually. And he famously predicted in like 1965 that computer chips would double in processing power while having in cost every 18, to 24 months thereafter. Um, and this has turned out to be pretty accurate 
from 1965 going forward. And a lot of tech people just kind of extrapolate this into other areas, not just computing. But, um, but as a result, we've seen like a massive increase in computing power and decreasing costs, right? So some people, some futurists that I listen to and, and podcasts and books that I read and, and blogs believe that the next two years, we are likely to see as much in computing terms as the entire history of technology from the beginning of time to now. So I'll say that again. So in the next two years, the literally like the library of computing, computing um, capacity that we've had is literally going to double in the next two years. And then that will probably happen again in another two years. So we are in what's called the fourth industrial revolution. And don't worry if you're, if you're tuning out me now because I, I get technical. Don't worry. I'm about to get out of this technical stuff or this uh, scientific stuff. But we're in the fourth industrial revolution. So we've got AI and blockchain and cloud computing and via, uh, you know, virtual reality and aug- augmented reality, drones, robotics, synthetic biology, uh, Internet of Things, 3D printing, human longevity, right? Like these all used to exist in a silo as they were being developed. But now it's like combinatorial and they're synergistically accelerating each other. So we're seeing these. That's why I'm going back to it's like an exciting time to be alive. Because these things are having rapid Moore's law exponential kind of growth that's really going to transform the world we live in. And so, how is it you're wondering what the hell are you talking about, Bolden? Why is it how is this relating anything you're talking about making 2020 the best decade yet? Is because um, it's just it, because these things are growth and the world around us is growing. And I think as humans, we need to be committed to the same thing because if not, you know. I always tell, I always say to the people around me, like we either choose to grow or contract, but there's no such thing as just coasting through life because the world around us is changing. Um, so I'm going to play a little audio from something from a futurist. Um, I believe you pronounce his name, Garrett Leinhart, and this will get you excited. I can't play the video. It actually has a YouTube. So if you want to look at it on YouTube, you can actually Google it. Um, but obviously I'm not going to put that on a podcast. But you can, it should get you excited about the status of the world around us. So stay tuned one second. Once upon a time, business as usual was often good enough. No more. Where we are going, good enough is dead. In a world where everything is connected, where everything is equally excellent, Where performance is reaching perfection, there's only one space left to innovate in. You. Right now, you are a central point in the raging tornado of change fueled by digitization, mobilization, augmentation, disintermediation, automation. Well, the list goes on. Science fiction is becoming science fact. Think about self-driving cars or computers that can learn and think. The way we work will never be the same. The skills we need will be dramatically different. Winning or losing are now happening faster than ever before. So what's your response? How will you discover new opportunities in one of the most transformational times in human history? Are you driving change or are you being driven by it? Disruption has become the new normal. With change, it's always gradually, then suddenly, well, things really have stopped happening gradually. This change is exponential. 
Everything that used to be dumb and disconnected is now wired and intelligent. Cars, cities, ports, farms, even our bodies will be wired with sensors and will talk to each other. These game changers are also combinatorial. They amplify each other, creating a perfect storm of change. Quantum computing fuels big data. The Internet of Things fuels artificial intelligence and deep learning, which fuels robotics. However, anything that cannot be digitized or automated will become extremely valuable. Human-only traits such as creativity, imagination, intuition, emotion and ethics will be even more important in the future because machines are very good at simulating but not at being. Yes, robots and software will do some of our work, but this will allow us to focus on things that cannot be automated. To imagine change squared, you've got to start engaging more with what might be, not just with what is. Immerse yourself in the immediate future, five to seven years out from today. We need to go beyond technology and data to reach human insights and wisdom. Technology represents the how of change, but humans represent the why. The future is about holistic business model. The opportunity is to be liquid, to learn just in time, not just in case, not single improvements, but complete transformations, not individual systems, but new ecosystems. Humanity is where true and lasting value is created. We will engage late and buy things because of the experiences they provide, because of their transformative power. The future doesn't just happen the future gets happened. The new way to work is to embrace technology, but not to become it. The future is in technology, yet the bigger future lies in transcending it. Let's live and lead from here. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool video, and um, I think it really establishes the fact that we are living in a super dynamic uh, world. Um, the world is committed to growth. The world is literally synergistically growing upon itself, and we should be committed to the same, whatever that looks like. You're either growing or contracting. But pick one. Pick one. Um, so I'm going to kind of do a, a hard left and um, talk about some things that would be a cool thing to maybe for you to look at for you practice owners out there this year, um, not just for you personally, but there's something that I incorporate a lot when I'm analyzing the direction or the growth of, of our practices. Um, and it's something called SWOT. And if you've never heard of that, it's, it's an acronym for it, for, it's a practice you can kind of go through and draw it into like a, I forget what this thing's called in genetics. Oh, the Punnett square. Like it's a, it's a grid of four, <laughs> but it's the strengths. Next block would be your weaknesses. Next block would be opportunities and next and next would be threats. And I do this a lot for businesses, um, and practices that, that, um, my businesses and my practices, and it's, um, it's a cool exercise to go through. And it kind of goes back to the first thing I said, which was kind of celebrate your strengths. And so usually we all know our strengths, like what's our superpower, right? And, and that's, we, none of us really have a hard time, um, writing down our strengths, but you know, 
when it comes to weaknesses, you need to look at and, and kind of write those down. Like, you know, what could you improve? Where do you have uh, fewer resources than you need? Where are you likely to see or where are others likely to see some of your weaknesses rather? Um, and then you kind of move to opportunities. And this is an exciting part. Like where are there opportunities for you to grow your practice or change your practice? And growing doesn't necessarily mean with size or revenues or anything like that. It could be just growing as a team or growing your culture or growing your leadership um, or growing, you know, I, I don't know, growing more time off, whatever that means for you. That's, that's a cool thing to kind of write. Um, but you know, so opportunities, like what are the opportunities that are open to you? What trends in the world could you now take advantage of? Like how do you turn these strengths that you have into massive leverage in your world or opportunities? Okay. And then lastly would be your threats. What threats could harm you? What's your competition doing? Um, how could your, how could, how could you be exposed or vulnerable to, uh, you know, being put out of business, essentially, you know, I always, I always write like, what is my competition doing right now to try and put me out of business? I'm always thinking about that just in a weird way. Cause I kind of have gamified it, but it really helps put you in a creative state of mind and a proactive standpoint. Proactive is the best place to be. And so you don't just, you're not, you're not just taking the, the punches and kind of curl up like a boxer. Like I was actually watching Mike Tyson's uh, greatest hits last night on YouTube and I was just watching some of these boxers and they literally were so chicken shit to fight him that they just were curling up and just taking beating after beating and, and not even swinging. So come out swinging, come out swinging. Um, I don't know if I'd do it against Mike Tyson, but I mean, he's just crazy. But anyway, that's my analogy. <clears throat> um, that's my boxing analogy because I thought it was fascinating. So focus on your superpower, surround yourself by people who can fill in, um, your, for your weaknesses. And then when you're facing a new challenge or a business opportunity, master entrepreneurs don't, don't, they don't figure out how to solve the problem all by themselves. They identify who is the best person to help them or who is the best person for that job autonomously, right? That's been something that's really helped me in my career is not, I used to try and be literally the jack of all trades. I can do it. I can do it. I'm the best person for the job. Um, and if you can really kind of drop your ego, and I don't know if that was an ego thing or it's just maybe I didn't want to spend the money, whatever it was. But I think the second I really identified that like, Hey, this is my superpower. This is what I'm really good at. This is what lights me up. This is what fulfills me. The other stuff I don't want to do, you know, I hated doing payroll. I hated doing, you know, a lot of other things. And so it just, it wasn't the best place for me to live in that zone. Um, cause it wore me out. Um, Another thing I want to kind of talk about real quick is, is just, is that new year's resolutions are a lot of times formed. Um, everyone kind of picks one. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. And really like, that's kind of ridiculous. I just think new year's resolutions are ridiculous. The, the I think the statistics on people actually keeping them and doing them are like less than 5%. Um, because it's just really hopium. They're really just saying something that makes you feel good and like, Oh, Okay. Like, I'm going to say this and it gets everyone off your back. Like, what's your new year's resolution? And you kind of just say something like, oh, okay. You know, and you, and you move on, you check the box, but really like in our heart of hearts, usually we know like, Hmm, that may or may not work. So resolutions are good. I don't know why we have an arbitrary time in the year when we just say now I'm going to fix stuff, but we do. Um, because I think, I think goals and growth and all that stuff should be, be continuous throughout the year, at least once a month, kind of reviewing your, your goals. So 
create some goals this year. Now I'm going to get into the goal setting stuff because I'm a big fan of that. And if you've been listening a long time, you know, I think I think the first podcast I ever did was about goal setting and stuff like that. Um, but create some goals this year that are going to light you up. And when I say light you up, I mean literally creating something that either scares you a little bit or saying, God, if that happened, that would be ridiculous. That would be amazing. Now don't, these aren't BHAG goals or, or, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals. You, those are a little bit, you, you can create those if you want. Those are fun. I, I personally don't do them because I think sometimes they're just a little ridiculous. Like, um, you know, I'm going to go to the moon, whatever it may be. Right. Um, but, but going back to this, create some goals, you know, whether that's five, 10 or 15, whatever that you can, you can sustainably look at and you feel authentically that you can look at yourself and say, I can probably do these, right? If I commit to them, I can, I can probably do these. But pick some that are going to light you up that you literally, you wake up for the, the alarm clock because you're so excited to try and start tackling some of the things in this. So create that list. And this is literally the goals that on that list are really what are, are your macro goals. Okay. Um, those aren't the thing. And that's where a lot of people stop. They'll write down a goal and they'll say, okay, cool. And again, I think that's more just, this is what I hope to happen because if you're not, if you're not writing it down continuously and if you're not writing it down, um, and then breaking it down, kind of reverse engineering those goals and breaking it down into the micro, right? You have the macro goal. And if you're not breaking it down to the micro each month, um, and figuring out what's going to move the needle and what, what, what are those 12 micros going to be that's going to add up to the macro at the end of the year. And maybe you'll hit that goal in, in month seven. Maybe you'll hit it in six. Who cares? Like that's, that's, you know, great. Good for you. So let me give you for an example. So let's say your example, and, um, cause you hear this one a lot is I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. Or, or I'm going to lose weight this year. So again, just writing it down just feels good. Like I'm going to do that. Right. And then you, we all know that like we, we revert back to the processes or the habits that probably got us there because we didn't, we didn't break down the, the constructs of what it would take to, to actually lose that 50 pounds. So, um, so you would write down the Mac, the micro goals, for example, would be, you know, in January, I'm just going to work out 30 minutes, three times a week, and I'm going to stop drinking soft drinks. And then in February, you know, and then make sure and commit to that, right? Because 50 pounds, if you just write down 50 pounds, oh shit, how am I going to do that? That's so daunting, right? Incrementally, like try and get 1% better every day. And it doesn't add up to 365% better at the end of the year. It's, it's literally an accumulation of accumulation. It's the compounding effect of getting better. So just, just commit to the process of doing small incremental micro goals that add up to the macro. Um, and in February you may say, I'm going to add in cardio now, or I'm going to get a personal trainer. or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to limit my smoking or whatever it is. Right. Um, <clears throat> but writing it down is important. And there was a psychologist at, um, at a university in California that did a goal setting study with about uh, 300 participants, I believe. And she found that you're about 42% more likely to achieve your goals just by writing them down. Um, we've all heard of that Harvard study where like, you know, basically the people who wrote them down were, you know, was only about 1% of the class, but that 1% had the net worth of like the remaining part of the, the Harvard MBA class or something like that. I think that's kind of fake news. And I don't know if that's ever actually been, I think that's like an urban legend story. But the point is when you write them down, you're visually seeing it yourself. And this is powerful. Like you're, you're activating the, I think it's the reticular activating system in your brain and you're actually envisioning you doing it. 
and you're creating a little bit more accountability with yourself because you're writing it down and you're revisiting. But if you really want to get shit done, if you really want to get shit done this year, get an accountability partner or a group of people or a coach or a mentor or someone that's going to hold your feet to the fire. When you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it because if people, you know, we let down ourselves pretty easily. We can justify and rationalize like, oh, I didn't have time or I was busy or I'm stressed or whatever, but we really don't like to let other people down. Um, so that's why that's, you know, this is honestly why masterminds and coaches work so well. So, and it's not that we can't find the, like, it's not that we don't know how to do it. You know, it's not that, that we have a coach or mastermind that, that's opening this, this secret answer box and saying, okay, here's the answer. Go do it. We all kind of know how to do it. Like we all kind of know how to lose weight. We all kind of know how to, you know, learn how to, how to get more patience or whatever it is. Right. Um, I know that was just like two extremes, like how to lose weight and how to get more patience. But the point is, is we, we don't have to focus on the how so much, um, because the answers are usually there. And, um, but just creating that accountability creates something that happens verbally and usually publicly holds you accountable. So that's the beauty of masterminds, coaches and groups, and, you know, even things as small as like Facebook groups. Um, so I'm going to kind of wrap, I don't want to make this podcast too long. The purpose of this podcast was really just to inspire you to make you stretch this year, whether it's personally, professionally, spiritually, relationshiply, <laughs> physically, whatever, just commit to the growth and love, love, love the fact that there is no finish line in this life. And I think that's cool. Um, and I, that's something I actually want to pause on for a second because for so long in my life, I would, I, you know, everything was a race to the line in which I, that arbitrary line, what I, what I thought I wanted. And once I'd get there, I'd say, hmm, this doesn't feel, okay, this feels all right, but like, what's next? What's next? And, and so I think that's, that's unsettling as a person who wants to, is goal oriented. You get to a goal and then you say, oh, all right, feels all right. But if you just know that like, there's never a finish line. And I think that's a paradigm shift. Like there's never a finish line where they're continually growing or just be committed to the growth. There's no finish line. And that's not, that's not to say that you'll never get to where you want to be, but just know that like that, that life is a continually growth process. Um, so find something that interests you or something you want to accomplish this year. Um, again, whether it's all those things personally, professionally in your practice, you know, clinically, whatever it may be, and then listen to YouTube, get a mentor, go to a CE course, read a book on it, listen to great podcasts. Um, heck, even go to a conference, right? And that's actually one reason why we have summits in great in great venues. Like we probably we probably deploy a lot of the content that are that's well, that's not true. I deploy. I was going to say we deploy a lot of the content on our podcast that we give at the summits, but but really the reason that um, we do summits and we try and do them in these great venues and, you know, and getting out of our own cities and make people fly in is that when you change your physical state and change your surroundings, that helps to change your psychology and put you in a different state of mind. Um, you know, and Tony Robbins is a big fan of that. You know, he actually, if you've ever been to one of his things, he, he, one of his lines is make a move, make a move. Um, and he has you jump up and down and change your physical state and you, you do this, you, you yell and you punch in the air and stuff because you're changing your psychology and that helps you get out of, um, I mean, you're changing your physical state, which helps you change your psychology and then breakthroughs happen. So yeah, at the end of the day, like we get one ticket at this life and the hardest pill to swallow 
if you ever talk to someone who who's at the end of their life is or read that book like you know the regrets of the dying is that is that is that the regret of like i could have or i should have or i would have is you know is almost toxic and then coming to the grips of the fact that you don't have the time to fix that problem that you just alluded to the fact that you probably should have or whatever could have right like you get one ticket live it grow it and really take this life by the horns um and that is it i'm just sending love and power to each of you as we enter 2020 and um i can't wait to take this journey with y'all over and out Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, we ask for your help. First, review us on iTunes. It creates awareness to help others find us, and it literally takes like five seconds. Second, if you want to stay in touch with announcements and updates, text the words Bulletproof, all one word, to 345345. We promise not to bombard you with spam text. Also, don't forget to check out our upcoming summit, 2020 registration page at bulletproofsummit.com. We're going to be focusing on digital marketing, including social media. Do not miss this one for real. Thanks y'all.